Welcome into the Who Day Talk podcast. Brady and Jay here. And we are discussing an embarrassing week seven loss and answering your mailbag questions. And I don't know about you, Jay, but this game was like a typical 2013-2014 Bungles game. I'm just going to have a moment of silence. All right. Um, this wasn't many positives. I could, I mean, the only person that really played well was William Jackson and AJ Green, obviously. Uh, coaching was terrible. I mean, we continue to see the bad play calling by Terrell Offman. Uh, Laser never really turned around his poor performance from last week. Uh, I mean, to me, it was an execution thing, and. The coaches didn't execute on their part when they're, or with the play calling, and the players didn't execute the things that they're taught to do fundamentally. So tackling, you got you to learn how to tackle if you're going to be an NFL football player. I mean, simple as that. Perfect had a terrible game. First game that he's played in the past three years. I mean, he's does not look good. The uh, linebackers have gotten worse since he's come back, and that just – exacerbates the need for linebacker. I mean, we're, we're a bad team right now. Yeah, I agree. And there's, there's just so much issues and something that I was kind of hoping we would get asked about, but we didn't. So I'm going to bring it up is honestly with perfect. There's no denying he's at least in the past. He's been a really dirty player, but he's just been so good that he's worth it. And, if he's not playing at a good level and he's still doing stupid crap, do you think he's, he's worth even it. worth it? Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. I I love him, but at some point it just hurts your team more than help. Yeah, and I mean you hit you hit it. Uh if he can't turn it around, I mean, it might be time to part ways come the off season, just clean that linebacker house completely. Um May hopefully sign someone impactful in free agency. I mean, I know that's wishful thinking with this team, but um, yeah, it just wasn't a good game. I mean, we we saw over and over again our defenses get picked apart, and it just other than the tackling, I can't put blame on any specific player. I can I can only see the blame on the just the level of preparedness was so low. They didn't they weren't prepared at all coming into it, and that's on the coaches. That's not on the players. Uh, it's a coach's job to set a game plan, an effective game plan, and they didn't do anything similar to that. They they kind of just went in like they were cocky enough, and they're like, oh, well, we can beat them, we can beat them, which was completely idiotic considering they're the best offense in the league. And it's just guys like Terrell Lawson, I mean, I've seen him do this before. He over he has over faith he has too much faith in his players. I mean, you have to know what you got. And if you think that Tony McRae is gonna be able to cover Tyreek Hill when he's in the slot, and he did a good job, but he didn't I mean it's Tony McRae versus Tyreek Hill. I mean, come on. Uh it's just little things like that. It's, it all adds up and when you I don't know. It's I'm it's, thinking about it yeah and i don't know about you but on the chiefs first offensive play when i saw sean williams was in man coverage with tyree killing the slot i knew it was going to be a long miserable yeah. game oh yeah oh yeah definitely yeah 
you have to use your players. You got you got to use their players to what they do best. I mean, having Sean Williams in coverage in the slot against Tyreek Hill. I mean, come on, like that's that's borderline incompetent at that point. I mean, you got to have your best player on their best player, and I think they just need to they just need to become they they preach having versatility in their backfield or their defensive backfield. They preach having versatility along the line. Use that versatility in your scheme. If you want a guy that can play both safety spots, play him at both safety spots. If you want a versatile corner, play him at both corner spots or all three corner spots. If you want a guy that can move in and out of the line, do that. I mean, and they do that to some extent, but when it comes to your best player on defense right now, who is William Jackson, you got to have him following around their best player. And they just didn't do that, and that's why Tyreek Hill picked us apart. And we're never going to see them do that just because that's how they are. But, I mean, you got to start somewhere. And at this point, Austin isn't cutting it. And we have, I think we need to find someone that will. Yeah, Jim, I'm completely with you. I, I remember just a couple of weeks ago we were talking about, like, okay, Terrell Austin, not very good. He can't become the head coach. And now we're already talking about, like, we possibly need to move on. Unfortunately, like, if we did that, I don't know anybody – and, like, if we did, we would hire somebody, a positions coach, probably to take over. And I don't know anybody that could do that right now. But Austin just has been very underwhelming, seemed to make our defense worse since coming in. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that can really come to mind is our uh, our defensive backs coach. His name I'm, is escaping me at the, at the time. Uh, but the linebackers coach, Vance Joseph, I believe. Not Vance. Jim Hazlitt. Yeah, has sorry, I'm tired. Uh, no, he needs to be fired. So I don't. Oh, I'm he, glad you brought that up because I wanted to talk about that yeah, in a little needs, bit. He needs to get fired. Uh, so he definitely should not be taking over the defensive coordinator job if we were to fire Austin. Um, I don't trust. I'm not sure I trust the D line coach either. I, I believe it's still Jacob Bernie, correct? Yeah, he was rehired. That's what I thought, and he hasn't been doing good as of late. And I don't know if that's because of him or the scheme, but the defensive line has been underperforming for one reason or another. So, I mean, if if there was a interim defensive coordinator vacancy, I think that would end up being given to Bernie just because he's – I believe he's been with the team for almost 20 years or something crazy like that. Um, so, I think that's who would end up getting the job. Um, but – I just don't see them doing it uh, until probably next season. If that, even if that, I mean, more likely it's going to be a Bill Lazor situation, or not Bill Lazor, sorry, Ken Zampede situation where he goes into his second season. If he continues to underperform, then they fire him uh, early, early on. But um, yeah, I. <sighs> I don't know. We just we need to do better. We need to be better uh, at everything. I mean, that's obvious at this point. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up Jim Hazlitt because it's something I think I tweeted out like a week and a half ago. I I don't know if you saw this, but I kind of brought up all the free agents we've brought in ever since Jimmy Hazlitt signed right yeah. after the 2015 season. He he was our linebackers coach starting the 2016 season. I kind of just mentioned all the linebackers we brought in and drafted and just none of them have been working out like you could argue vigil but he's he really hasn't progressed in my opinion uh, i think vigil was a good 
I think the Bengals are a lot better at evaluating talent while they're in college than building upon it when they're in the NFL. Um, they've always been a great drafting team. I, I mean, obviously, we've had our misses with guys like Cedric Obuhi, Jake Fisher, and John Ross, but we've had a lot of late-round hits, and I think that's where we excel at. Uh, we, we know how to get those that value out of like the late-round picks. We Marvin Jones, George Ioka. I mean, the list goes on and on with those late-round picks. Geno Atkins, I completely forgot the best one. But uh, it's just once now, I mean, in the past it wasn't as big of an issue, but now it's we're seeing these early picks and the late-round picks not being developed, and that kind of sucks because that's how – if we're a team that builds through the draft and you can't develop the talent, I mean, that's a pretty big hole in your game plan. Yeah, I agree, and that's why we talked about it like way before we started doing the podcast about Malik Jefferson. We yeah. feel we're not, he's not going to be able to develop. Like it's kind of a long shot, but the Bengals is just not the team to develop him. And I think that this is another reason why we both don't want Devin White. He's a high upside guy, but if he gets drafted to the Bengals, he's just not going to develop. Yeah, I yeah, that's yeah. I mean, uh. I don't know, man. Uh, the bad, bad situation we're in right now. We're kind of stuck in that. We're gonna win eight games, but we're not not really have a huge chance at going far in the playoffs. So we're gonna be stuck with pick nineteen or something like that, and we're gonna be worse off than teams that are getting picked ahead of us or that are picking ahead of us. So uh, hopefully we get we get lucky uh, one way or another, whether it's losing out or whether it's winning out, but. Uh, I'm just kind of astonished by that performance. Uh, Yo, the I played well. Us, I didn't expect us to win, but we should have lost by 35. And I, I said it. I mean, <clears throat> I said it. I, I said, I told everyone it was going to be a blowout, and people called me crazy. And I'm like, okay, just wait. I, I know my Bengals. And sure enough, 45-10. So. It was embarrassing. Yeah. Um, with I, do you just want to move on to uh, the mailbag right now? Yeah, Jay. Let's move on to the mailbags, and we got a lot of questions. We're sending in all those questions. We will get to all of them, and I'm pulling up the first one right now. And first one is, uh, will we make the playoffs? That's a tough question. Uh, the way we're playing right now, no. Uh, we do have an easier part of the schedule coming up after the Saints game. It, we don't have as hard of games, but I think we. it's very possible we sneak in. I, if we do make the playoff, it's going to be as the sixth seed. We're not. I can't see a team like this uh, winning the division. I think we're going to likely lose another one versus Chile. I think that's pretty much that's a given right now. Um, I think we can win the second Ravens game, but I have a chance to sweep us. Um, it'll be close, and those t- the two Browns games, is, they're going to be key in deciding whether we make the playoffs or not. Um, but like you said, like you said uh, after the Saints game, the schedule does get a little bit easier. At the same time, I'm not too confident in this team. I mean, I <laughs> the team that played last night is full of losing to even like the Bills or the Cardinals. 
So I don't – I'm not sure if I'm confident in them winning the easy games anymore. So into my head, my, I say no, they don't make the playoffs. But it's possible they do sneak in. Yeah, and, and we also have another question that since we're talking about the playoffs, we'll get to now is the best-case scenario for the Bengals make the playoffs. And I found this an interesting question, and I, and I think – the unrealistic best case scenario would be the Steelers not even making it, but they're going to win the AFC North, I think. But I honestly think the best case scenario would be ending up with the five seed in the, in the AFC South champions end up with the fourth seed and we play them. This is, you're right. This is a fairly tough question. Um, I, I tend to think that uh, best case scenario, obviously win the division. Uh, I don't think we're in the running for a one seed at all um, or a two seed. Uh, I Four seed is interesting. I think it's possible we could get to the three seed. But if we are the three seed, I could very well see us playing the Steelers or Ravens in the first round. And – I mean, we all see how that has worked out for us in the past. So, I mean, I don't know if this team really has a best-case scenario for the playoffs at this point. I think it's more of it's inevitable that we're going to lose in the playoffs. I mean, not I don't want to say inevitable, but likely we're going to lose. So, I mean, picking picking apart what's going to be best for us and what gives us the best chances of, chances of winning the playoffs seems kind of pointless for me. Yeah, and I think – I honestly think if we were to play the Steelers, we'd be better off playing them at home because I, like, we don't have a lot of stats to back this up. I always feel like the Bengals play a little better at Pittsburgh. Steelers just own the Bengals at their home field. Yeah. Um, another question I really like, well, well, not really liked, but they're very common uh, in their responses were questions about Patrick Peterson. And there's a lot of, should we trade for Patrick Peterson? Uh, what would we give up for Patrick Peterson? Uh, what would he cost? And to that, I would say the Cardinals are, set, are reportedly looking for a first-round pick. Or was it might have been two. I don't know. I I believe a high second would get it done. Um, personally, I don't want to give up. I would rather give up something else. And this is where I this is where I kind of get a little um, unique. Um, I would offer John Ross in a third-round pick. And the reason I say this and why it works for both teams is third-round pick still allows us to get our linebacker and offensive tackle in the first two rounds. And John Ross still carries a lot of value being a former top-ten pick. And the fact that the Cardinals are losing Larry Fitzgerald creates a need for them at wide receiver, as well as they do have a young franchise quarterback there. So they're going to want to get him some a supporting cast. So I think that's why it would work well for both teams. John Ross is cheap. Um, three more years of control after this. I think that would be realistic for both teams. Uh, maybe they, maybe we end up giving a second in John Ross. But I don't. Like I said, this isn't going to happen. This is all hypothetical because we know the Bengals are not going to trade for Patrick Peterson. It's they're not going to. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to burst everyone's bubble, but it's it's not realistic. Yeah, and and even so, like. Even the Saints were listening to our offer. I think, or Saints, the Cardinals. I think, obviously, the Cardinals respect the crap out of Patrick Peterson. They're probably going to 
send him off to a contender, and I think a contender is going to trade for him. Like, I do think the most likely team is either the Saints or the Chiefs for him to be traded. Yeah, I I think a dark horse team could be the Rams. Um, that would be scary, but I think that could be a def- definitely be a dark horse team. I think I'd love it. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much the Pat Pete stuff we got. Um, another question that oh, I I think I got well, this didn't really cover cover it, but some or a a l Bundy. Um, replied, is there a way you think we can trade for Pat Peterson and not give up too much? Uh, for a guy like Pat Peterson, even if you did end up giving giving up a first-round pick, uh, I think I don't think that's too much. Uh, he has two more years of team control. He's a top three cornerback in the league. Um, it create Having Patrick Peterson with William Jackson immediately gives us a top two secondary, top three secondary in the NFL, in my opinion. Um that's how good he is. We, no one would be able to throw to the to the outside against us. It they'd pretty much have to run their offense through the middle, and that would allow us to to scheme towards that more. So, yeah, I don't think there's. I mean, I guess three first round picks would be too much. Two first round picks might be too much, but realistically, no, there's not anything you can give up that would be too much. And a question I got, we kind of talked about it earlier, was. How can you blame last night's game on the coaches when it was the players who played bad? Uh, I'm we pretty much describe as a Marvin Lewis like this is nothing new. Marvin Lewis is just like sure we played good against the Ravens, but we just always been bad in prime time. Uh, the game plan was horrible. We were undisciplined. Just lack of motivation, if you want to say. It's just the team was not prepared at all. Yeah, I it's. The, it's the, it comes down to the being prepared. Uh, it's the coach's job to prepare his team for the game, and they came in looking, frankly, looking like shit. Um, I mean, linebackers couldn't tackle. I think that's more on um, the linebackers coaching anything. But at the same time, I mean, Tara Lawson wasn't doing any help, giving us any help with the play calls. So, and neither was Bill Lazor. Um, so. Yes, the sh- the blame should be shared amongst the players and the coaches, but a lot of people seem to think that the execution was the fault of the players only. Um, I'm telling you guys that the coaches have a big impact on what the execution is and how how well they execute. Because, I mean, yeah, if they're not focusing on tackling in practice, especially when you know your linebacker is susceptible, susceptible to missed tackles. Um, that's on the coaches. and But at the same time, it's the player that's not tackling. So it's, it's a two-sided thing. Um, that's, that's tough because you never really know. Like the mental mistakes, yes, you can blame most of that on the players. But at the same time, coaches need to be aware of that and not have to put that player in the position where he can make those mistakes. So uh, – that's all I got on that. Um, a question I really liked was, please tell me one one important thing, trade, signing, cut, the Bengals need to do to get in the playoffs. Um, Patrick Peterson would obviously help. Um, other than Patrick Peterson, um, I think a, 
I don't I don't want to talk about any signings right now just because I don't think I'm informed enough on who's available. Um, that I'm pretty sure that no one out there is going to make an impact that will suddenly put us into the playoffs. But how, how would you I, feel about Dave potentially training for Dave Buchanan, the Cardinals linebacker? See, I think he's over. I, I thought about that. I think he's kind of overhyped uh, as a cover guy. Um, people seem to think that he's this great cover guy and just because he's a hybrid safety and he really was never that great of a safety. He's a rangy guy who can get to the outside of the runs and or stop the outside runs. But our issue really isn't with the outside runs as much. It's more of the interior runs and – a guy like, I mean, Dion Buchanan certainly wouldn't hurt, but at that point, the capital that we'd be giving up doesn't seem like it'd be worthwhile. I mean, I would probably, I would probably do it for like a third or fourth round pick. About this, third, yeah, I'm all fourth round pick, but I, I think they're gonna want a little more than that. Um, so if it was a late day two pick, I guess yeah, I would do it, but I, I don't think that's realistic. Uh, Asan Reddick is another guy I was thinking about. And I was very low on him coming out. I thought he was very overhyped. It was one of those um, athletic he's combine, very, combine overhyped. Yeah, very good. Yeah, very good combine. Uh, <clears throat> not very. He didn't really have a position. He's kind of a tweener between like an edge rusher and a linebacker. Um, I think he does belong at linebacker long term, but this year, I don't think he's going to give us much of an impact that will. I mean, help us. So, other than Pat Pete, uh, I don't think there's anything that we can do right now, trade or signing one, that can help us get to the playoffs. But a cut that might help us is, uh, well, not necessarily a cut, but more of a benching. Uh, Hardy Nickerson, Bobby Hart, and Alex Redmond. Mm-hmm. Um, benching them would help. Uh, the problem with, well, on the offensive line, if you start – Westerman at right guard and Fisher at right tackle, I believe, were we have one more win. Um, as of like up to this point, I think we'd have one more win. Um, defensively, it's I don't see the linebackers getting much better, no matter who you cut, no matter who you bench. But at the same time, you can't have your worst guy out there. So that's pretty much what I got. Uh, any other questions you'd like? Uh, kind of follows up what we were just talking about. What do we need to fix our linebacking core? And there's really, as we just, you just basically said, there's really no one to sign or trade for. So that kind of comes to the draft. Uh, we talked about it in a recent podcast. We'll probably talk about it again in Patty a couple Fisher. weeks. Yeah, Patty Fisher. We we <laughs> both seem like. Uh, then there's some other players like we're going to disagree on Mac Wilson quite a bit. Uh, but then there are a lot of other players we do agree about, like Quarterman, uh, Giles Harris. There's a lot of options, and we're probably going to have an episode probably based off our big boards. I don't know when that'll be, but I imagine we'll do that. Yeah, I I, I would say expect that uh, in the winter. Um, I plan on coming out with a top 50 here in two or three weeks, but – my big my big board, like which I consider to be like 150 to 200 prospects, probably won't be out until winter. Um, but yeah, eventually we're gonna have that out. 
suggestions for linebacker. I think that's what you asked. Uh, Patty Fisher, what you just said. Mac Wilson would be all right, although I think that sh- he should only be a late second-round pick. And then Joe Giles, Harris, and Shaq Cordovan would also be linebackers I love. Uh, that would help us a lot. Um, ooh, this is a good question. I didn't see this the first time around. Best candidate for next year's coach? Ooh, um, re- Marvin Lewis. Un- unrealistically, Lincoln Riley. Yeah, unrealistically, yeah. So the best, the best candidate from our eyes, yeah, Lincoln Riley, no matter what. Uh, Lincoln Riley would never come to the Bengals. Um, he's probably a more – the two most likely destinations for a guy like that are Cleveland Browns because of Baker Mayfield and uh, Dallas Cowboys. Um, not really a big chance of him coming to Cincinnati at all. Um, oh, there's, this is the question that was going around on Twitter. Uh, top 10 wide receivers right now. That's tough. Like, obviously, you have uh, – I think Antonio Brown is the best currently. Hopkins, uh, o- Odell, Julio, Green, Thielen. Devontae Adams has played really well. Uh, I'm, I'm having trouble listing all of them on the top of my head. I would actually have to sit down and look at it. Yeah, so I would probably go A.B., uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Odell, um – Mike Thomas, Julio, AJ Green, Thielen, Keenan Allen, Devontae Adams, and then 10th would probably have to go Mike Evans. So, yeah, that would be my top 10. Um, Someone asked, should we be worried? Yes, we should be worried. That's all I'm going to say on that. Yeah, um, pretty, pretty obvious. Like, like there's some people saying, "Oh, shit, good team. Uh, good teams don't get blown out on national TV." Yeah, yeah. So, uh, the best wide receiver we've ever had. He's on the team right now. AJ Green, uh, Chad Ochocinco, great wide receiver. AJ's just on another another level for me. Um, someone asked, "Should we pick up Amari Cooper?" A little late. Uh, Yep, a little bit late. Uh, Cowboys just traded a first-round pick to the Oakland Raiders for Amari Cooper, which was way too much in my opinion, but what do I know? I actually like the trade for the Cowboys. Did they give a little much? Yes, but if you look at it, Amari Cooper still 24, still good wide receiver, hasn't quite lived up to the first-round potential, but you look at the scheme fit and what the Cowboys need, I think it's perfect. Well, my issue with it is, I mean, look at this wide receiver class. This upcoming wide receiver class is probably the best wide receiver class we've seen since 2011. 2011. 2011. Yeah. So, and it might be, a, it's going to be deeper than 2011, too. So, I. Maybe they didn't like the wide receivers. Like, it seems like wide receivers are, they're, like, I don't know how to say this. They're not as good as coming out of college as they used to be. Yeah. They don't, yeah, they don't develop very well. Um, and they have a higher bust rate as of. Um, but at the same time, a first round pick. I mean, Amari Cooper's a great player. He's been in a bad offense, and that's why he's not. He's going from a bad offense to another bad offense. So I don't think we should expect much production from him. Uh, no, we just got off on a little tangent, but yeah. Um, 
Huh, what other question? Who's the best running back in the AFC North? Uh, Well, you can't say it's Bell right now because he's not playing. I don't see who else it is other than Mixon. Well, the question was best running back not including Bell, Mixon, or Connor. Oh, no, I read that wrong. Oh, wait, no, you're right. You're right. So I think it's saying best running back in the AFC North not including Bell, Mixon, or Connor. Um, Talent what? Okay. Mm. This is tough because I think a lot of the success of Steelers running backs comes from the scheme and the offensive line and the usage. At the same time, I think James Conner is a great player. And on the other side of the coin, Joe Mixon, the very talented player, but he's been playing behind probably a bottom five offensive line and in a pretty bad scheme. So... I think talent-wise, it goes to Mixon. Talent-wise... As a in ideal conditions, Mixon is the better player. Mixon is the better running back. However, in in the current situations they're in, I believe Connor is better. Just because I mean it, his production is a lot better, and there's no real way of saying that. Okay, well it's a hundred percent. We know it's due to scheme. We know it's due to the offensive line. That's why Connor's good. Can't really say that because he hasn't been on another team. Um, and I think when we see Bell go play for another team, that's going to shine some light on that. And that'll be very interesting to watch. But, yeah, so kind of a non-answer on that one. But we'll see. That's a question to be answered later. Um, do you think Mike Brown will retire from being the general manager before he dies? Not the GM, technically. Yeah, well, technically he is the GM. Um, but he isn't – he doesn't – really call most of the shots anymore that that role has been given to duke tobin uh essentially and obviously he's gonna have a big say in like the the first round draft picks and like the the big signings and the big re-signings and stuff he's probably gonna have final say in that but lately it has been duke tobin and the blackburns uh his daughter and his her do- his daughter's wife or not his daughter's wife sorry his daughter's husband that have been calling the shots for the Bengals right now um so he kind of has taken a secondary role. However, um, I believe he will step back completely at some point, and I expect that to be in the f- pretty near future, uh, within the next three years. Knock on I wood. Def- Why would I knock on wood for that? I don't know. You never know. Maybe he tries to take full control. I think I think knock on wood is when you say something. Oh, I don't know. I'll knock on wood just in case. But <laughs> um, yeah, but. Uh, yeah, so I think he will step away at some point. Um, and something I read, and I forget where it came from, but it was from a reliable source. And I don't take this how you want, but apparently, like, in the 2017 draft, there was kind of a debate on Marvin, I think, wanted Reuben Foster, uh, Mike uh, Tobin wanted John Ross, and, I, and Mike Brown kind of said, we're going John Ross. And I... Is that right, or? I I believe Marvin did want Ruben Foster. That is correct. Um, I I had I had someone from inside the organization tell me that. Uh, John Ross. I I personally didn't hear about who wanted John Ross and who was in favor. I imagine. I mean, we, if if Marvin wanted Ruben Foster, and they didn't take Ruben Foster, I mean, I think it's pretty safe to assume that it was either Tobin. Or well, it was either Brown or Tobin and Brown, 
that liked Ross, and that's why Marvin was overruled because they're the only two guys that would really kind of take precedent, or take authority over Marvin and the organization when it comes to that situation. Um, but yeah, Marvin did want Ruben Foster. That's a fact. Uh, I also heard something probably a few months ago that um, Joe Mixon was not the intended target at that second round pick. And I think this may have been common knowledge, but uh, Joe Mixon was in fact not the target. And I believe it was Sidney Jones that yeah, was it. So that, I thought that was very interesting. Um, but yeah, so I'm glad we got Mixon instead, even though Sidney Jones has been playing fairly well this year. Um, but yeah, I mean, Yeah, that's the question to Mike Brown or the answer to the Mike Brown. Yeah. We yeah. might have over explained that, but Yeah, I, I, I lost where we're at. I was just trying to think back. Um I just wanted to bring up the kind of the Reuben Foster thing just to kind of show that like if he d- is the one that wanted John Ross and knowing his draft history in the nineties, Mike Brown is not the best at evaluating talent. Yeah. Um yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, do you think the Bengals should take a shot at Tua in the 19 draft? No, no he's not eligible. Tua, he's not eligible, so no. Uh, I don't think any team will. But, yeah, I don't think they have uh, taxi squads in the NFL. or Debbie, Yeah, taxi squads. Uh, if the Bengals fire Marvin Lewis, who should the Bengals go after? Lincoln Riley, although it's not going to happen. Um, how much longer for Marvin Lewis? Uh, if they have, I believe they have six or less wins this year. And then uh, in 2019, they have six or less wins. I believe he will be fired after that. Um, Bengals, a fake team. Debate me. I'm not going to debate you on that. You're right. <laughs> um, do you think we should hire new trainers? No. I will say um, it is a little frustrating that Ross has the same exact injury three days later. The groin injuries are tough, though. Yeah, those are kind of tough, and you want to be very precautious with that kind of injury. Uh, those are easily aggravated, and it kind of depends on what they mean by groin. Was it like they mean like okay, it's his groin muscle, or is it okay? He got kicked in the balls. Like, <laughs> I mean, I who was it? There was someone recently that was had to be kept out of the game, and they called it a groin injury, but he really got like something caught in a zipper or something like that. I forget what it was, but, uh, yeah. Um, I think that's all the – I think we covered all the problem or the – well, yeah, I think we got all the questions so far. Didn't, I, I'm looking yeah. through. I don't see, I don't see what we didn't answer. I miss Andrew Whitworth. Yeah, me too. Um, I mean, Cordy Glenn stepped it up yesterday, I think. I mean, he had one bad well. play, but he was, he was doing really good yesterday. Yeah, he played very well. I, I liked what I saw from him. I kind of forgot to mention that. But, yeah, I mean, that's all I got. Um, I personally am going to go to bed. Um, but next week, do you want to cover tight ends? Yeah, we can do tight ends. Yeah, we'll do tight ends next week. Um, kind of take a break this week. Just kind of take a breather from scouting. Uh, yeah, we'll cover tight ends. Um, let's do Noah Fant, uh, Alberto. Dawson Knox, anyone else you want to cover? Caden Smith? Uh, those, I'm pretty sure those are like the big three, if I remember right. Caden Smith? Yeah, we can do Caden Smith. And then, there's one other guy who I'm, I know I'm forgetting. Noah Fant, Caden Smith, 
Dawson Knox, Albert O. Ah, crap. It's going to bother me. Let me check real quick. I have it on my uh, board. And somebody also, I've been asked constantly on this on my Instagram about quarterbacks. Uh, quarterbacks will cover in a little bit. That That's a position you kind of want to wait till the end of the year. As, and also there's not a, at least as I see it now, not really a quarterback I feel comfortable taking in the first round with Herb no. staying. No, no, yeah. There's no quarterback that I would even touch in the first round at this point. Um, yeah, no, I would consider Greyer in the second. Uh, that just depends on who we get. Excuse me, who we get in the first. Um, I would consider a guy like Daniel Jones in the third. But other than that, I mean, no. Who's going to be your star future? Like Haskins, I've seen brought up a someone we'll talk about in the future. I personally think he needs another year in college. Mm, he might need to. Uh, so Urban's not helping him though. Kind of my Ohio State fan taking him there. Yeah, Urban's not helping him there. I think he does have more issues with his arm than um, than people like to admit. Yeah, it's bad mechanics uh, that are fixable, but fixable with playing time. Right, yeah. Benjamin Solik of the Draft Network. Um, I saw an interesting thread with him and one of my friends, Andrew Moss. And uh, Andrew Moss sent it to me in a group chat. And uh, they, they were talking about how um, he struggles with distributing his – or throwing with his body essentially he throw, he's an arm thrower and i i didn't read the whole thread so i'm not sure if they talked about this either but um what i noticed from him is he kind of throws sidearm a little bit and he kind of just said what they said yeah arm thrower and then he also throws sidearm a little bit and i think that's a little wonky and uh but yeah that's we'll talk about I, him when we do quarterbacks yeah yeah we probably should wait on that just because quarterbacks are kind of hard to Hard to make a judgment off of a few plays, so I'm going to need a little more time for that one. But, yeah. So, um, next week we're going to talk about tight ends, uh, discuss the matchup as well, as we always do. Um, that's all we got this week, guys. Who day? Thanks for listening. Who day?